Hey, everybody. This is Becky Hennessy, host of the Reformers Collective podcast. This episode is a conversation that I had earlier with guest speaker Sean Dunn leading up to the first Reformers Collective conference held on October 18th and 19th at Trinity Church in Cedar Hill, Texas. So I'm learning you as well as everybody on the audience. So tell us a little bit about your story. Um, where's, what's your background and how did you get involved in this? Yeah, well, I, I uh, grew up in the church. I gave my life to Christ at a young age. But the transformational things that really took place in my life as far as calling and understanding what God had called me to do took place at 14 years old, where uh, I felt like the Lord whispered into my heart so loudly that I wrote it in the back of my Bible, contend for a generation. And uh, so I just started to pursue that. I was called to work with young people. And so at 18 years old, went to a Bible college and and uh, got hired at a church my second week there. I wasn't even applying. And at the time, I thought, wow, they recognized God's hand on my life. Looking back, I realized they were desperate because I was 18. They didn't even really interview me. But I've been in full-time ministry since I was 18, served local church, served denominationally, and I started traveling full-time as a speaker and an author in 1997. And so an evangelist at heart and was climbing that ladder, having a lot of success and feeling really good about myself when God changed my paradigm and said, no, I I got a little something different for you to do. It's not going to be standing on a stage as much as it is going to be interrupting people's lives on the entertainment that, that is controlling them they're addicted to. Wow, that's so that's amazing. So how did you go from being an evangelist speaking to person, uh, person to person and to these great crowds to um, getting on this media thing? And where did you start? How did you do it? Uh, to be honest, it was incredibly uncomfortable because my ego loved it when people would say, hey, would you sign this for me and all those things? But really what, what happened is it was a statistic that grabbed my heart. I'd spoken to 156,000 people that year. It was December. I was patting myself on the back. I was feeling like I was a big, big deal. And two days later, as I was praying into the next year, ran across this, a statistic that simply said there are 33 million teenagers in the United States. And I knew that number, but for some reason it hit me different because I realized my model of ministry wouldn't meet the need because God wanted all men to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. And so it really put me into this spiral uh, for three months, not where I did something stupid, but where I was praying differently. Like instead of praying with this confidence, boldness that God helped me achieve my goals, I started to pray, God, you're a creative genius and I'm an idiot. I don't know how to do this. God, they're there. I keep asking them to come here. They don't want to come here. So how do we do that? And uh, at the end of the three months, after praying and studying trends, uh, just a media diet just kind of uh, shifted and hit me so, so hard up the head that I realized if you want to really interrupt people's lives that need Jesus but won't pursue him, you have to go after their media. And so that's that's really kind of the journey that we were on. And we began to to figure that out as we as we went. And so that's almost 20 years ago now. Really? 20 years. OK. For some reason, I'm thinking it was just like yesterday. <laughs> well, our, our growth really began. So we started traditional media, TV, radio, billboard. Okay. So we were invading alternative rock stations, hip hop stations, country stations. We started talking about Jesus 30 seconds at a time on MTV, VH1, Adult Swim, Sci-Fi Channel. But really, our growth began when we. Uh, I went to my board and I said, we have to recognize that young people consume media differently than my generation. My generation loves cable still. 
We still listen to the radio with all these things that are so old fashioned. Young people stare at their phone. It's a small screen. It's an addiction. 84% of them are never more than 10 feet away from their phone. And it provides an opportunity to speak to them uh, very clearly. And so in January 2017, that's when we really started to see the accelerated growth of, of the media when we went 100% digital. This is just blowing my mind because like you were there at the curve with, when all of this was happening. So you've been doing this for 20 years, taking media to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how has it increased? How have, tell me about some results. Tell me about some stories. I need to hear some stories. Well, let me, that, that, well, first of all, let's talk stories because it doesn't matter what the numbers are. It matters about the lives. Right. So, uh, you know, one of the most amazing things. So what we do is fivefold. We interrupt people on their devices. We don't wait for them to search for us. Because the problem is, is so many people that need Jesus don't know which questions to be asking. So our media is built to help them ask the right question. And then once they ask the right question, then we suggest Jesus is the answer. So some of our content is phrased like this. It shows somebody who's broken and then it will say something along the lines of when life hurts, Jesus cares. Yeah. Chat with someone who understands. So we do. Uh, number one is we interrupt them. Number two is we communicate the gospel. But one of the things that this isn't all we do, but one of the things that makes us most unique is 24 hours a day. We have live volunteers available all over the world that are engaging with people who log in and say, you just said Jesus cares. It sure doesn't feel like he cares. And, and they're then, actually saying that they're actually talking to people and and saying, right. but but yet they're hungry. They want to know. They want to believe that there is somebody who cares. Right. Yeah. They, they want hope. Now, most people don't come online and say, does Jesus save or can Jesus forgive? They come online and say, can Jesus help me? So people are in our culture are so much more consumed with the, the here and now, the, the hell that they're going through as opposed to the hell that could be awaiting them. And so uh, what what. The content really helps drive them into the conversations where from there we, we introduce them to Jesus and we have tools to move them vertically towards Christ, horizontally towards community. And so, like, here's one of the stories. One of my favorite stories from this year was a young lady who logged in. And her name was Rachel. And she said, do I matter? And it immediately caught my attention. She didn't say, am I going to hell? Am I going to heaven? She said, do I matter? Because that's that's a real felt need for so many people. And as soon as I read the transcript I immediately thought, how many people in my life would ask me that same question if they were being honest and vulnerable? How many of my waitresses, how many of the people I see on the street, my kids' friends would look at me and say, do I matter? Please tell me that you see me. Can you hear me? I'm screaming inside, but I'm hoping you see me. And so I, I read with great interest. She's instantly connected to one of our volunteers. The volunteer takes her and begins to walk her through uh, you know, so many things. By the way, millennials have a 12 second attention span. So you, you have to type in leading sentences. So she begins in the conversation and she said, you absolutely matter. You matter to me. I'm sure there's people you matter to, but most importantly, you matter to God. You know, the most important thing we can do for somebody is get their eyes off of themselves and get them looking up to God. Because when they see who God sees, how God sees them, and what he, what he says about them, that's when life changes. So they, they begin this conversation. You absolutely matter. And she began to just share one liners out of scripture. You're what is most precious to him. You're the apple of his eye. You were created his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and you could just tell this young lady was just soaking in. And then she turned the corner and she said, you know what? You matter to God so much that he couldn't even imagine eternity without you. He made a way so he could spend eternity with you. 
Has anybody ever shared that with you? And she said, no, no one's ever shared me. So she walked her through the gospel message and she ended up giving her life to Christ. And one of the things I love about it is at the end of it, our volunteer asked this question. She said, you came online and you asked if you matter. But now that you know what God sees when he looks at you, now that you have a relationship with him, now that you know that heaven awaits, I want to ask you, do you matter? And Rachel came back. She came online with question marks, but she came online with all caps and three exclamation points. And she said, I do matter with three exclamation points. So those are some of the stories that are just amazing. And, and the numbers are just ridiculous. George Barnes says the average church in the U.S. sees one person a year come to Christ. One person a year. Yesterday, we saw 626. In one day. One day. Yeah. Since January, we're, since January 1st, 2021, how many um, conversions, how many, um, uh, what do you call, what do you, how do you describe them? Uh, we call them professions of faith. Okay. Um, just because truthfully, we don't know what's going on in their heart. We don't want to say salvation because, but all we know is this, they're raising their hand and say, I need a relationship with Jesus. But like in any church setting, that's really about their heart condition, not about their posture. And so uh, today we will top 118,000 in the U.S. Uh, since January 1. 72% of millennials and Gen Zers believe that God is a real being and not just a concept. Is what the survey say. 72%. We do not need to convince them that he's real. We need to remind them that he's relevant. But the, when, when we talk about the gospel as it being out there, it doesn't feel relevant. When we attach the gospel to the felt need. I need purpose. Well, there's one who created you intentionally knows what he put inside of you about their loneliness. He'll never leave you or forsake you healing. He can heal your heart and all of these things. And then you, so you start at their felt need and how Jesus can help and heal and all those things. And then you turn it to, uh, to the salvation message, which is the eternal answer. Of course. That's incredible. Incredible. And so this is so exciting to me. And it was because you saw that they weren't coming to the church or to the concerts or to the big events. And so you had to go to them. And so God began to work in your heart first. Right, Sean? I mean, you began yeah. to see see the what was not working. It was not working. So does the church still have relevance today? I mean, is the church still buildings coming together? Is this does it have relevance or or, or is it in the past? Yeah, no, the, again, millennials believe, 70% believe the American church is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. They see us as a country club. Um, even even the, the percentage of young people that are loving God and pursuing him, their frustration with the church is all you care about is gathering, not impacting, not changing, not transforming the world. And so they're struggling to find churches that they really can embrace because of that that issue but the church is relevant but the the model has shifted in the old in the old model of ministry was let's invite them to a campus club let's invite them to a crusade or a church and then we can introduce them to Jesus now what we're finding is effective is let's introduce them to Jesus and then move them towards the church because um there it's um i, I could share stories about the 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 biblical illiteracy is shocking because we think that everybody understands what we understand, understood, and they don't. When I was growing up, I grew up with some heathens, but they knew what the church stood for. We knew what Christians believed. And now we get questions like, you know, uh, now that I'm a Christian, do I have to call ahead and make a reservation to go to church? This is pre-COVID. Now that I'm a Christian, how much will it cost me? Or uh, my favorite is Jesus is really interesting. Is there a book I could read about him? 
And when you bring up the Bible, they say, well, I thought Bible just meant like really important book, like the Bible for mechanics. No, there's a holy Bible. It's a very important book. But so it is, there is, it is relevant. The issue is they are, they're out there and they're craving the answers to their meaningful questions. And uh, if you, here's, here's one of the things that I've learned is if you start a conversation about theology, you probably won't get to finish it. But if you start a conversation about their pain, you can lead them to a theological discussion, meaning, you know, walk up, go to a mall this, this afternoon, walk up to 10 different people and ask them this question. Would you like to have a theological discussion with me? 10 people are going to turn and run. But if you walk up to 10 people and you say, hey, life's hard, isn't it? It's been a rough couple of years. You want to talk about it? They'll stick around and have that conversation with you. That's so good that Jim and I did that a couple of weeks ago. We went to the mall down here and just started walking around on a Saturday morning and just said, hey, um, we know COVID's been hard. Has it impacted your family? Is there something that we can pray with you about? And we didn't get turned turned away by one person. They were all willing to talk about the pain, what they were walking through and have someone pray with them. This is so cool. So um, you're one of our guest speakers, and I'm so excited that you've agreed to come to Reformers Collective on October 18th and 19th. So um, one of the breakout sessions, you're also going to be speaking on the Monday night at the young adult um, a meeting here. And what could people expect to learn if they come and hang out with you for uh, a couple hours, Sean? Well, we can talk in depth about about what we do and what we've learned in media and about evangelism and all those things. But one of the things I'm most excited about sharing is the fact that, you know, uh, you know, it, you asked me earlier, what was a reformer? And to me, it's a world changer. It's somebody who, uh, who has the heart that says, God, I want you to use me, but they're not stuck in the rut of here's what it's going to look like. Yeah. And so we give God permission to change us, to mold us, to shape us, to release us. And as you said earlier, the gospel message does not change. The mission remains the same. But the ways that God uses us, God is a creative genius. And he knows exactly what he put inside of us. You know, and scripture says that from one man, God made every nation of men. And he determined the time set for us in the exact places where we would live. He knew where we were and the times and the culture and the technologies. And then it's, it closes it out by saying this. He did this so that men everywhere would reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. The stuff God put inside of us is not just to bless us, but it's it's to represent him in, in a way that is so relevant and so eye-catching that people look and all of a sudden they start to say, wow, I need to be thinking about Jesus because he holds the answers to every question that I'm asking right now. And so I'm excited about kind of sharing that same heart and that passion with so many people that want to be world changers. And that's not just, you know, kind of a catchy thing, but truly God God's raising up some very unique people to change the paradigm and to, sh- to change the tapestry of history, I believe. That's so good. My made up definition for reformer is one who receives God solutions to earth's problems or one who receives God solutions to our community's problems. And, and so you have done that. You are a reformer and you, God has downloaded wisdom and revelation to you. Tell me how, um, other people can be used the same way. Like there's not a competition. There's not like you're the only one who is doing this. What could people, uh, do with media to, um, to change the world. 
To be honest with you, I don't know. Uh, the way I'm wired is if I have an idea and I think it'll work, we'll do it. Um, but the thing is, it, it truly is. It, it always starts from that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus that is totally surrendered and submitted to him. You cannot. Uh, the, I think one of the problems with the church is we want to we want to impact the world, but we forget that God has to impact us first. And God builds us in private to use us in public. If you're not investing that time daily with God, uh, not just to get answers, but just so he can mold you and shape you and sculpt you and change you and transform you. You're not going to give him permission to let him use you long term. And if he does use you, it will not last long. And so it starts there. But God, as I said, God's a creative genius and God has ideas that nobody else has ever asked. Here's here's my challenge to you, everybody who might be listening to this. Um, my mistake early on in ministry was I, I asked God what I was supposed to do. I never asked him how. I asked him what I was supposed to do, and then I tried to copy what everybody else was doing. And I think in some ways it grieved the Lord because he was sitting here saying, okay, you asked me what, now I've got the how. If you'll just spend that a little bit time with me and you ask those right questions, uh, you'll, you'll discover that I've got some brand new things that I'm ready to unleash on the world. All I'm looking for is a vessel. So good. I love this. So out of the intimacy with God, God speaks and we learn his voice and he trusts us and we ask the right questions. The longer we spend time with the Lord, we begin to ask the right questions and he begins to download it. This is beautiful. I'm excited and I'm so thrilled that you are going to be a part of our collective first one ever. And um, I believe that a lot of, you know, pastors uh, who really want to get the gospel to the lost are going to learn so much from this. But I, I love that everybody has their unique calling and gifting and and God has creative ways that he hasn't even begun to download. Right. So yeah. good. So good. Thank you so much for your time, Sean. Um, I'm so thrilled that um, God is using you and and that you're giving answers to the questions and and the gospel is still as powerful today. It's just changing the method, maybe, or changing the yeah. questions that we're asking. So good. Thank you again, Sean, for coming and spending time. I'm excited and we'll see you in two weeks. Sounds great. Awesome.